Welcome to Conversations and Coffee Podcast. Today I'm in the studio with David McSavage. David, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure, Ross. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having um, me on. I appreciate really it. Really appreciate you coming on. I'm, I mean, I've got to know you now on the way, um, picking you up in Portobello and, and making our way here. We, we had a good chat. So um, I want to share your journey with, with my um, audience. And I'd also like to let people know, firstly, uh, David McSavage is your, is your name. Formerly known for the Savage Eye, the RTE uh, program, sure, which was massively successful and, and needs to come back onto television. But yeah, sure. absolutely. <laughs> but but since then, yeah, um, you've been busy in, in certain mm. ways. But I I stopped hearing about you for a while, and then yeah. you ended up back on Instagram, and now <laughs> you're putting out this this really um, quick, small content. Well, you see, you make a really good point, Ross, because um, that that is a really good point you just made. So. What was it? Two th- two th- 2009 to about 2013, I did this thing called Savage Eye. Mm-hmm. So it has it has it was critically well received. It wasn't like a massive. Um, it, w- it didn't have massive popularity like uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys or something like that. But it had its kind of cult following. But you're right. You know, like when I stopped doing that show, I didn't think I disappeared or anything because, of course, I'm me. So I'm not thinking, oh, where, where, where am I? You know what I mean? But you're right. In in terms of the public, you do disappear because if you're not on TV or if you're not in the public eye, most people, you know, he's wh- wh- where is he gone? So I I kind of realized that because I only joined Instagram two months ago. Now I'm 50. I'm a, I, oh, it's my birthday today, by the way. I'm Happy 50 birthday! <laughs> Happy 54. birthday! I would have got a cake about it. 54. All that. Um, but <laughs> but you're right. I joined Instagram two months ago. And, you know, the, the, this audience, I've nearly got maybe, what have I got, eight, eight and a half thousand, you know, followers. But, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, kind of, oh, where have you been? Da, 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 haven't seen you. And then I thought, oh, Jesus, yeah, I guess, you know, I've been doing gigs around the country in art centers and so on. But generally, because you're not on TV, your sort of popularity or it, it does, it does take a hit and you start to, s- to go down and you don't sell as many tickets so for me i must say the instagram thing is is fantastic it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. you know because it's kind of like a, a cottage industry tv station mm-hmm. you know it's it's, it's, obviously, it's, 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 a, it's a lot smaller for instance L- like if you look at rte uh you know you, you put out your content 200 300 people see it so you know obviously that it's a lot smaller but i can see the Instagram thing building and I enjoy putting content onto that format which is what is it in the post it's it's one minute so it's a lot of fun so you know and it's easy to come up with it I mean it's not as stressful to come up with a funny piece for one minute you know what I mean so it is uh, a question actually I I had been thinking before we were going to sit down I I thought of this yesterday um being on RTE and and you know, hosting the Savage Eye as mm. such and being um, the main act on it. Mm. Is there a remit? Is there a criteria that you can, yes, you can, you can, you know, make your act and improvise around such a topic that you want to, but are you limited in certain elements? And then secondly... Limited, li- limited in certain elements, how do you mean by, by the people? By RTE. In, oh, right, go on. And yeah. then secondly, with Instagram, what does it feel like to be able to just be in full control yeah. of the content you yeah. put up? Well, actually, um, so when I was working in, uh, when I was, so the way it works actually with, so, so 
Orti commission a series and they pay a production company to make the series. So I was working with a production company called Blinder Productions. And so the producer in Blinder Productions would be in contact with a commissioning editor in RTE. And so we'd send him, a guy called Eddie Doyle, I think at the time, we'd send him scripts and he would read them and he'd make notes and we'd fucking ignore them. Can we curse on this? <laughs> we'd ignore them some mostly. Actually, we I think we did. I, but he 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 made very little notes. And the Savage Eye came out in two thousand and nine, and it was around the time when all these revelations about the Catholic Church and all the abuse that went on within the church, and also the banking crisis. So all these big institutions were starting to crumble and collapse. So I think it was the perfect time for us to put our kind of very hard-edged satire on TV because people weren't going to complain about it because. It was already being talked about. Well, well, well. People weren't going to complain about it because you're not going to complain about comedians when the the shit hit, when the church is collapsing and you know and all the stuff that has gone on, all the corruption within within banks and so on. So you can hardly complain about comedians. But anyway, yes, and that is what you're dead right. That is what is beautiful about the Instagram. In, in a way, for me at the moment, it has totally rejuvenated my love for what I do in terms of making sketches. Exactly what Bec I wanted to know. Yeah, because because um, because it is wonderful. There's no, I don't have to go to this guy for permission. I don't have to say, is it, can I do this? Can I do that? I get an idea. I ring up a guy with a camera, sound guy. We're making a sketch. I edit the thing. That day, put it up onto the platform people see it and it's great it's like an instantaneous connection so it, it like i said on the car journey on the way over here it's kind of like um an online comedy gym or platform where you can just you know i mean even though it is it's small viewership but you're exercising your comedic muscle and your editing skills and your acting skills and your writing skills and you're getting an instantaneous reaction so it's so it's a great little platform tool tool you know i agree yeah, and yeah. i use it to that to that um benefit also i'll put up an episode and then i'll you y know you're learning a lot right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. brilliant you, yeah you kind of almost mm. put the a taster out there for people to give feedback yeah, yeah. and then every time you put a new one up you almost try tweak it here and and you know make some changes but what i'd be interested to know now would be having met you and yeah. following your content for a long time only following you on Instagram for two months now mm. because th that's how long it's took for you to join. Mm. Um, I know. Well, you see, that, that, that's another thing. You see, like, you're 23. Three. So I'm 54. And so, you know, <laughs> my generation, we're not... I mean, I, I don't like Twitter, for instance. I don't like the way people communicate on Twitter. It does my head in those little sort of snarky little sound bitey ways of communication. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. If I, if I met somebody <laughs> like that in real life... Who, tr well. who, who, who communicated in the same way people communicate on Twitter. I wouldn't have any time for them. I never really got into Facebook. It, it, to me, it looks like you're filling out a form or something. So, and I, I never got into Instagram e either. I think because just the name Instagram, it sort of turned me off. But then when I joined it two months ago, the penny dropped. It was like, oh shit. This is what this I needed. This is yeah. actually amazing. This is perfect for me. Um, I just love the way it's set up, the simplicity of it, the directness with an audience, 
perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And and I guess as well for me, um, who I, you know, um, yeah, you you. you uh, I mean, that's the great thing. It's a real, there's something very democratic about Instagram. There's a lot of guys who in a million years wouldn't get a TV show or wouldn't get access to a TV show or whatever. And they've got 60, 70,000, 100,000 followers. They can transpose that into ticket sales. So so it is good. I really agree with that. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Um, there's a lot of people that are worthy and deserve a TV show. Well, I don't know about that either, though. That's the other thing. Like, like you know, mm-hmm. I mean... W- well, well, to an extent. Well, well, you see, that's the that's the great thing about like, there's some people on Instagram. You'd be looking at them, and you'd be thinking, "What the fuck are people so into this for?" And I think sometimes people like to watch stuff that's shite for just just because it's so bad, it's funny, and so that kind of stuff. So, so it, it, it's kind of like Instagram is just all inclusive, and so everybody has an opportunity to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was life like before comedy? What was it like growing up, and how did this begin? Oh well, um, I, I think with with with, um, with mm. well, the first time I saw a comedian was a guy called Richard Pryor, and I saw a video of him. I think that was back in the eighties, and I was amazed by the fact that one man could stand on stage and hold a whole audience, hold a, an audience's attention, and so I, I found that was a very powerful experience. But I think I. I think a lot of comedians gravitate towards comedy because um, they're very attention-seeking. Do you know what I mean? So, sorry about that. Turn that off. Uh, so, I think for me, you know, just comp- uh, desire to be center of attention. This is very rude. Look at me. I'm trying. No, do you know what we'll do? We'll jump back no, into no. that answer. Yeah, Don't worry on. about it. Yeah, Honestly. Yeah. So, jump back in. Th- that's completely fine. Um, mm. I've had worse things mm. happen. I've, <laughs> actually, I've actually had people walk into this room. So, that's oh, right, 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 right. so you just jump back whenever you're ready. Well, um, so with, with stand-up comedy, I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah, w- when I... So, so I started off as a street performer. I think when I was about 24, a year older than you. And I busking. started I started busking. And I was in, uh, I think I was in Japan when I started doing that. And I simply did that because uh, I, I couldn't hold down a job. I found it very difficult to, to you know, I, I was very anti-authoritarian. People told me, told, if people told me to do something, I mean, I, I'd sort of, my automatic reaction w- w- would, to s- would be to say, go fuck yourself. So, you know, I was quite contrarian. And um, so I found that, when I when I stood out in the street and played songs, you know I could just about handle that. So you can't get fired mm-hmm. from being a street performer. But you can get moved on, mm-hmm. which but I have. But there's many also times. an element of putting some people into an office environment or a working environment that would stress them out and give them anxiety. And you know other people thrive in those mm. situations. They and do, those yes, jobs. yeah, they do. Other people, yes, yeah, some people thrive within that environment mm-hmm. but those people you could probably never put them on a street and have them busk <laughs> do you know where i'm coming well, well, from well i don't well well yeah yeah that that maybe that well well no that is true but irrespective of whether people who thrive in in an office environment c- could busk or not i i didn't thrive in an office environment and so i found though it quite liberating <laughs> to be able to stand out in the street, play music, earn enough money to pay the fucking rent. And then I remember being 24 and thinking, Jesus Christ, 
I might not, never have to get a job again, you know. So I was really quite relieved. That's interesting. Uh, I was quite relieved that I I was able to earn a living from busking, and I I, I and then the 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 kind of show I did evolved over the years, where I where I started to make people laugh and started to take the piss out of people walking around me. I found when people laughed, they gave me more money, and then it evolved. Then I I, I think in the early nineties I saw. I think I was in Denmark and I saw a, a, an English stand-up comedian and I thought to myself I'm funnier than him and so I started doing stand-up back in the early 90s I think it was yeah, yeah. so you're not you know for people that are tuning in here that, that mm. before the Savage Eye you didn't just you know get this uh, platform where you could oh. start a TV show you were years and years oh, in the yeah, background yeah, growing yeah, away oh yeah I'd say so 2009 so like tw over tw well over 20 years mm -hmm. And the the first um, TV show idea I had, I think it was called, what was it called? Oh, it was called Oh No, It's McSavage. And Orti paid for a pilot for, for a TV episode. And it was a load of shit, actually. And then they were, and I th but I thought it, they would accept it to go to series, but they didn't. And they were right not to because it wasn't good. And then I came up with this idea called Head Wreckers. And we put that into Channel 4. And we were part of a series called The Comedy Lab. And then Orti had this thing called Project Haha. -Ha. And so there was a couple of production companies who submitted pilots for that. And so, th so I'd been rejected twice. And so when I had the opportu opportunity to potentially get a series, I really made sure that it was right and so we, we got we got luckily we got picked up a quick question to do then. a series so, with the rejection did that motivate you oh or yeah how, how did yeah that feel? absolutely the rejection I, I, I'm, I'm well I don't know if you, I'm sure you know you asked the question so you probably know the answer to it um, rejection is the biggest wake-up call because if you if if you I mean in other words if you know what you want to do so I wanted to make that's what I wanted to make a sketch show, a TV show. And um, so when you fail, it is such a kick in the balls. It's it really, um, you know, you think your life's going this way and then suddenly, no, it's not. And you're so it makes you reassess. Now, um, so, um, yeah, the, the rejection uh, really makes you exact so it, it makes you look in a way that you that you wouldn't look if you hadn't been rejected so you really think right okay what how am I going to get this so that it's not going to fail so it really makes you access a part of your brain that you wouldn't normally have access to if you hadn't been rejected so it, it, again really good point really good question you need the opportunity to fail, you know, because because if 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 you know Ross, oh yeah, don't worry, we're here, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, and uh, sure, what's the point? You know, you need to you need to be a bit hungry to be a bit. Someone desperate. has said that to me before that like if you were handed everything on a plate your whole life and then you became you came to a situation where something very defining in your life was was about to happen and then you didn't get it. I don't think you'd be mentally prepared to cope with that. Whereas I've been rejected. I've been in situations where I've been humiliated and embarrassed or whatever it may be. But 
if anything from that situation i think it makes you stronger and you grow from it and then you nearly kind of well, go yeah that's the that's the hope yeah, to grow hope, stronger yeah. no i mean you're right but some people in, in other words some people like you said you'll go through that rejection humiliation embarrassment and then they'll think oh well fuck this <laughs> and that's the other thing that's true good point but that's the other thing though the the persistence required to achieve something good or great it really does require a lot of determination and how long do you continue trying to do something and if you constantly are getting rejected like it's very difficult because most people will think oh fuck this you know what i mean but then it's not meant to be but it's not meant to be but the people who do eventually get to where they want to go are the people who who are who persist they don't have expectation and they just keep on going and going and going. But I think the, the, the most important thing is, well, one of the most important things is knowing what you want. What do you actually want? So if you don't know that, then, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Understanding that goal or that yeah. that um, agenda and, and reaching for it. And then if you fail, well, yeah. hang on, let's try another route. And let's Absolutely. try this way. And I mean, branching out and, and making new connections is something I've learned that massively helps. I mean, you can never do it on your own and no. you can never um, just wing it. You need yeah. to have people around you that have expertise. Like I appreciate the fact mm. that you say with Instagram, you make a phone call, right? Come on down and bring the camera. Mm. Um, the audio guy. I mm. mean, if you were to sit in the house and say, I'm going to go out and buy my own camera and I'm going to set mm. up my own mic, the quality and the content mightn't be as good as it is because it really is almost like mm. TV quality or mm. TV standard, although it's on a smartphone and we're, That's right. we're getting yeah, it yeah. In, in a minute. But, but my next question I'd kind of like to ask would be, what was it like when you got the Savage Eye? And I know you had these mm. projects here, and and you've done some for people that would go onto your IMDb, um, which I found hilarious because I looked at it there the other week, and you actually filled out your bio yourself. Oh yeah. Um, and about the Japan thing. Oh and yeah. Your your two sons and that, and and it was it was wrote in a way where a professional IMDb mm. person, whoever mm. they would have in in that role, sure. would have never wrote this out. No. But yeah, it was organic, and it was you, and it was yeah. your little synopsis of mm. who you are. Um, when they look at your IMDb, they'll clearly see you've had some, you know, pretty significant roles in some mm. good movies like Brendan Gleeson and the list goes on with, with, with different actors you've worked with. But my question would be, when you got the official um, confirmation of the Savage Eye, what was that feeling like? Well, it, it, it was a great feeling. There was, I think there was a moment when we were sitting in the RT canteen and the budget came through and I was like, how much am I? We're getting that much to make? I mean... You know, in context with an American or a UK production, it wouldn't be that much. But it was just very exciting to see that we were getting money to make this TV series mm-hmm. that was in 2009. But um, actually, excitement, but also huge amounts of hard work because um, it was like a, each series, it was like about a year work and lots of going out onto the street and interviewing people, you know, do, doing Vox Pops. And also, what um, is a Vox Pop? Well, in other words, uh, like within the Savage Eye, there's lots of interviews with uh, punters on the street. So that's a Vox Pop. Okay. And what that does is it sort of legitimizes the the sketch that is about to uh, be be performed because, um, and also, you know, sometimes the the shit that people say is just hilarious. So there was some very good 
uh, vox pops with people on the street. Mm-hmm. But also, um, the amount of work required to get, like, I think there was about 35 sketches per episode in The Savage Eye. And um, so the excitement of getting commissioned was quickly replaced with, you know, the stress and anxiety of getting co- the comedy right. And, you know, you'd write a sketch, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth draft. And then when you did get it right, it was just kind of relief that you got it right. So, I mean, um, like, I think people have this idea that, you know, putting together a comedy show, it's, it's, a, it's a right old laugh. Like, it's not. But that's fine. It's just it would re- appear that way. Yeah, but it's just, re- I mean, there's occasional moments of laughter, but uh, I mean, it's... It's work. Yeah, because, you, you know, like with The Savage Eye, there was four writers, Pat McDonald, Dermot McMurrow, John Cleary, and me, sitting around a table, you know, for weeks on end, just just reading out sketches, reading out sketches. And then if a sketch is, is good, you, you just felt relieved. Okay, on to the next one. So it's not like, you know, you know, just having a laugh. It's, it's really fucking serious. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you why it's serious. Because as comedians, see, people don't understand that if they're not stand-up comedians, um, if you get comedy wrong, people will hate you. Like, if you, if, you do, if you do stand-up comedy on stage and you're shite, you'll be surprised about how angry people will be. They came for a second. They'll be like, fucking guys, shit. So pe- people are almost, if you, if you like, inappropriately angry towards comedians who aren't funny mm-hmm. what was the situation i'm sure when everybody heads over to your instagram and, and follows you what was the situation with the heckler in uh, london was it <laughs> oh yeah yeah what happened there like oh well um obviously oh, well uh, ross is talking about I, I put up this clip of a gig i did in top secret comedy club which is in drury lane in london and i was doing a show now when you when you're doing stand-up you really need complete attention and focus on you. And if somebody says something and you're setting up a joke, people's audience's attention is temporarily taken that way for a split second. Suspended, yeah. And it, and it completely ruins the punchline. So it's like, um, you know, when you're doing stand-up, if somebody's talking, it's incredibly, it feels incredibly disrespectful, like they're com- the people are, are just not interested in what you're doing. So I was having a back and forth with this English woman and then and she seemed so angry with me. And then I said, listen, what is the what's the problem? Why are you so pissed off at me? And basically paraphrasing, she said, well, you you interrupted my conversation. And, you know, (laughs) she's a member of the audience and I'm on stage performing. And she, she had the arrogance to suggest that I interrupted her conversation. So that so so that was what that whole uh, interaction between me and her was about but it 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 was captured all on video so mm-hmm. it's very funny mm-hmm. you handled it really well because some of the things you came back with you 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 actually from what i took from it mm. you didn't respond with disrespect or rudeness you responded at the start with, i think i did a little bit but anyway i but thought you yeah, were quite yeah, yeah. sarcastic almost mm, but yeah. like at the same time you were killing her with kindness nearly like you know oh, i'm sorry for interrupting your conversation and yeah that's right well 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 um Th- that that's right uh again if you get too angry and i said that actually on stage if you do get too angry with somebody who's talking because ultimately the person who's talking they're they're usually quite drunk or something and so from her f- point of view she wasn't trying to fuck the gig up 
And so if you get too angry with somebody, you do lose the, the goodwill of the crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to be kind of car- careful. But I, w- I was saying exactly that on stage. Mm-hmm. And um, Must be difficult. Well, well... It's a real spanner in the works. Well, it, yeah, it, it is and it isn't. Generally, you can... With a few bits, with a few little words, you can you can shut people down. Muted, yeah. But it, but if people are too drunk, they don't really give a shit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you can do without uh, hecklers. But mm-hmm. so, so sometimes it, it can you know pump a bit of energy into mm-hmm. the into the room. You know, I'd love to know kind of your. I had Owen Colgan on, mm. and Owen, in terms of stand up, he wouldn't do it as frequent as you, maybe. Yeah. But his sketches and his work with Paddy Power and that is obviously. Um, well-known around the country, but uh, I'd like to also get back to it, but Owen had said something about when they were doing the Hardy books in, mm. in Mayo, when they were shooting it themselves and just putting it up as, as uh, Michael Maloney was uploading it as almost like a YouTube video mm. and it was doing really well. Mm. It was like that organic and just raw. And then as soon as RTE came in, he said it was like almost like him coming over to uh, Dublin and saying, no, this is how you're going to do things. And he mm. felt it almost diluted it a bit. Mm. And that's why I was glad you said that about with the RTE almost, you know, you send the script off and it gets reviewed and they come back with, with notes and pointers. But with Instagram now, and I find almost like with that platform and stuff for comedians to almost uh, be free. Mm. And but sometimes it is, yeah, the free thing is fine, but sometimes you, you, you can indulge that a bit too much. So you do have to have a sort of comedic sense. That's what of, I was wondering. Of, yeah, so, so in other words, like um, it is good to have an editor. Or it, it, it is good to have a... Um, Yes, somebody, somebody, you, you know, because because you like you don't want to ruin a sketch by having it too long. So like w- within the Savage Eye, the kind of credo was, you know, get in and out. Don't be hanging around too long. But also, uh, so as a comedian, you c- you kind of tend to know where the funny is. And but it is good to have somebody. That's why it's it's so rare to have a really good producer. Like the, one of the best producers in the world, as far as I'm concerned, is Armando Iannucci. He worked with Steve Coogan on the I am Alan, I am Alan Partridge, and uh, he also wrote or directed a, a TV show called The Thick of It. And so it is important, like you were saying, to 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 work with people, because if you if you start thinking. If you start thinking that you know what you're doing, you, you, you can get into trouble quite quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for somebody tuning in that, that knows nothing about comedy and probably doesn't go to shows mm. often and maybe is familiar with the Laughter Lounge and various different places where you can go and see stand-up, but I'd like to kind of let those people know, and especially for myself, nearly get inside the head of a comedian mm. and, and understand what it's like on that stage. Number one, the feelings you get back from a, a good crowd and you know, making people laugh and, yeah. and getting that, uh, you know, achieving Res- that goal and, right. and the respect from the audience. Yeah. But then also I'd love to know kind of what it's like up there having all that material prepared. What's the what's the kind of rehearsing like? And is it all just off the bat or is it going with the flow? And how do you remember your lines, etc.? Yeah, well, so so like I, I think anything that you do a lot of, you, you start to get good at it. So obviously mm-hmm. I've died loads of times as a comedian and I wouldn't be that prolific in terms of coming up with new material like other comedians mm-hmm. but I do have a lot of well I do have a lot of experience just from d- doing stand-up so I started doing it back in like I said back in the early 90s um, and it takes a long time to get good and to, g- to, to get your legs as it were to get your sea legs 
as a, as a, as a stand-up comedian. But um, I think when I was younger, I mistook the appreciation of an audience as if to, 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 it's kind of like, oh, they really like me or whatever. But sure, they don't know you. They're only responding to what you're saying. So they're laughing at stuff that you've prepared for a year or something. And I think guys... I think we're a bit simpler than women in terms of we're not as emotionally intelligent. We we sort of think that the fact that people are laughing at us means that we're good and we, people like us. They like what you're saying. They don't know you. But, um, That's true. Um, but um, in terms of now uh, as a comedian on stage, it I I feel like when I come come off stage, it's not much. I, obviously, I tend hopefully to do a good show. It's not a big deal anymore. It's like it's like a carpenter going in, doing a good job and fixing a room. You know, you, you do your job, you get the laughs, and 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 um, you know it's of the moment, and you know you're professional. People generally have paid to come and see you, so you, you do feel like a sense of duty to deliver the goods, and so on. And because I have died literally so many times on stage. Um, in in what I, sense? In terms of just where I've got so angry with the audience, or I've got into you know arguments with hecklers, or I've you know some of the material has just been so misjudged and mistimed. And the direction just takes a complete U-turn. Well, yeah, just like almost getting angry with the audience for their lack of reaction to what I'm saying, as opposed to take you know just realizing actually that the stuff I'm saying is just too crass too coarse it's not funny and so like in other words i'm i'm very relaxed up there and and people audience tune into that if they see if they see you on stage you know like i i compare it sometimes if you're a nervous flyer and you listen to an airline pilot and he comes on the intercom he's like okay we're going to retrieve 35,000 people and he sounds very relaxed very you know so that nervous flyer will be just oh okay this pilot knows what he's doing. He's experienced. He, he's chilled out. Obviously, there's nothing to worry about. So it's the same with an audience member. If they see you on stage and they can see that you, you're happy to be there, you should be there, you're not worried either way. I agree with that. Um, you know, but, but, and, and it's, 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 quite, um, it's quite awkward for audiences to see somebody who's quite nervous on stage. And also, if you do a joke, that, that's what a lot of people who are just starting out, if they do a joke and it doesn't work, they pretend, they, 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 they just move on to the next joke. And sometimes it's good to acknowledge the fact that a joke hasn't worked. Because if you don't do that, then the audience are thinking to themselves, did he, did he just think that fucking joke was funny? Because it wasn't. So they're not even thinking about the next thing you're saying. Mm -hmm. So, so th there's a whole craft that you learn that's as really you go in in terms of just how comfortable you are on stage trying out ideas and so on and mm -hmm. um yeah it's a really good way of putting it and then finally then what what would be kind of in, pre in preparation for a gig you know is there work that has to be done there is in with the i mean god material? forgive me but yeah w w you know i got into comedy because i didn't like working god forgive me for saying that but uh i i think that I am, I can be. I'm sure a lot of comedians will say this. They're, they're a bit lazy, so so kind of my the best way I can prepare for a gig is to do lots of gigs 
if I because I'm doing a big gig in the Olympia um, on the 13th and so the best way I can prepare for that gig is just to do lots of gigs before it mm-hmm. so it, so, you, so you, you, you get kind of match fit you mm-hmm. know so you do match fit that's yeah, a really good yeah, way yeah, of putting yeah. it yeah. Um, for anybody listening or, or watching um, this episode so the 13th of February in the Olympia yeah we were hoping to sell one ticket from this podcast. Isn't that the plan? The plan was one that ticket. Was that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm giving you a fucking... <laughs> oh, no. I'm giving you... I'm giving um, you yourself and your missus... Uh, but, but, no, I appreciate that. But, but really... Well, that's... Um, you, you, yeah. Oh, yes. And, and it might be worth mentioning that How shitty... How to buy the tickets. No, that shitty fucking website. Yeah. What's it, what, what was it? Via, via Gogo. Via Gogo. Do not buy your tickets there. Do not. Um, I mean... Overpriced. Actually, if you... I, I don't know how many... But, but actually, genuinely, don't go on that feckin website anyway because because uh you went to buy two tickets to see my show mm. or you were ju- and how much was it 129 euro you know that, like so these guys are absolute scammers so i i just wonder how many people have g- bought g- or or just g- use that website to buy tickets it's i think foil, foil arms and hog as well put up a a message on their thing mm-hmm. not to but I, I it's really really bad it was the first i'm surprised um, that they can actually uh, operate like that it's it's scary, but it was the first one that popped up on Google, and that's usually the first one people click. But if you're going to buy tickets for the show on the 13th of February, um, you have a couple of days left still. Again, this episode is released. <laughs> go to the Olympia's yeah. website or go to Ticketmaster, a more official one. Uh, the prices will not be 129 yeah. euro for two tickets, or uh, even near that price. Yeah. So they won't be 129 euro. They'll be 329 <laughs> euro. No. But but um, for anybody that that is you know just watched this episode and has took some. Um, interest into David McSavage just from him talking you do need to understand that he has been uh, very normal here not <laughs> really channeling into his comedic side at all because mm-hmm. when you see his content whether it be from the Savage Eye program whether it be from his Instagram which I'll link below I'll also link the ticket yeah. website links below you will understand that this is a very very normal day oh yeah well well you see that's the other thing you see um i emphasize on very normal no no but 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 yeah like i mean this to me is we're we're having a chat and so on and this is how i would be in in normal situation Mm -hmm. but um but yeah like like uh yeah can know. we give the audience then a slight taste of maybe five of your favorite not my favorite five of your favorite impersonations impressions well, I mean, <laughs> no. It, the, the the thing is, um, let, let me let me try and put. Yeah. I've absolutely put you no, on the spot. No, here, no, so no. But 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 first of all, um, yeah. well, the thing I'll tell you the thing I'm working on at the moment. Do. So um, there was this ad for there was this ad for Brennan's bread, <laughs> and there, there was there was an ad. I think they still play it, and. They try to align this bread with the authenticity of an inner city dub, and the, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but the, it's kind of the the ad starts like so says oi to Mister Brennan and says he to me, <laughs> uh, you know, and he's telling some shitty anecdote that's hardly going anywhere and has no payoff. And if you'd meet a, if you met a guy like this in the street, you'd be going. <laughs> I have to go. I'm busy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come here to me. Says oi to Mister Brennan, and he says to me and says oi to you know this says oi to you and says you would you just tell me, tell me the fucking point of your what's your <laughs> says oh Mister Brennan all this shit right now first of all I'm sorry to have to say Brennan's bread to me is isn't good 
quality stuff. I don't like it. I mean, I guess it's okay for toasting or something. But it's <coughs> it's that kind of bread, you know, that it's it's just yeah, made with no... Yeah, Stormophilia hits and everyone goes running out and there's suddenly um, a famine on Brennan's bread. Everyone just decides, oh, we need to buy bread. Like, it's it's. I know what you're saying with this. It almost is like they put this voice and this image in their head of this Irish old man that's from the city and he's real hearty of Dublin yeah and so they're aligning what isn't good food with a guy who's <laughs> annoying and I'm just thinking so so it does my head in and it's almost like that type of bread it, it's so it's not very nourishing and it kind of almost keeps people in a sort of static state and the, the, you know you know those kind of guys that you meet and they're sort of fucking raises and I mean I'm not raises but I've got no respect for the black people you know fucking Brennan's bread so, that, so, that, so that's the whole idea of it it's, and, and so it's the Brennan so these sketches were about the Brennan's family. And I think the first series, when I say series, one-minute episodes, the idea is that if you don't keep eating that horrible shite bread, you have to keep eating that shit bread to keep sort of a bit subdued and a bit racist and malnourished and all that. And then the son comes in and he's got a good job in the city and he's not eating the Brennan's bread. Look at you there with your fucking notions. Eat that fucking bread now and show it. And so that was the point of that sketch. So that was one. I loved it. One, I loved one, it. One of those. One of those characters. But um, yeah, and and the thing is, like, obviously, the bull Mick is a is a very popular character from the Savage Eye. That was based on a guy who works in the Haypenny Bridge Inn. Who who used to? He, I think there still is a com. There is a comedy night in the Haypenny Bridge Inn, and he was uh, he was a guy called he was a guy called Mick, and he and, and I think he actually tried to sue the production company because he knew that the character of Bull Mick in The Savage Eye was based on him. He but knew. The, but he knew that. But then he couldn't sue us. Mick, when I, when I met him first, it was almost, it felt like there was three men in one man. Because he'd, 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 how would he, the Bull Mick, come here to me, he'd shout, he'd be shouting all the time at you. And he'd be saying things like, uh, it's, come here, it's not illegal to hate black people, is it? This is what this guy would say to me. And then I'd be thinking, does he think nobody's going like how? So I think also a lot of guys who work in pubs, they work in this environment where people are so desperate to get the drink that he can fucking say anything, and they go, yeah, 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 just just keep 100%. the fucking keep the vodka going, and also because he runs the pub. The people working under him aren't going to say, mate, you're really out of control, you're racist. You know, you really should sort of, you know, fucking evaluate yourself and have a look at yourself. And so the whole point, and, and he talked about, I remember one time he was talking about homosexuals or gay people coming into his bar and he was fearful that it would turn the bar gay because there was a lot of, around the uh, Temple Bar area, there were a lot of gay bars. And he, uh, gay people, come, queers, he called them queers, queers coming into the bar and he was afraid. So obviously I took his character and exaggerated the shit out of it. Um, but I, I worry sometimes that, People who are homophobic look at him as some kind of champion, and he's not. I'm, I'm making fun of people who are homophobic, and people like him. To me, they're like uh, you know, like a, it's like watching a steam engine coming down the road. You, you look at them and you're thinking, Jesus, I didn't think they still made those things. So, Very good but point. but but I think gay people do appreciate the insanity of a of a guy like Bull Mick, and he's he's so fearful mm-hmm. of homosexuals. A lot of people who are scared of gay people are actually fearful of their own potential gayness and, uh, you know, whatever. 
so that that was it but but in terms of in terms of uh, doing impressions i think i used to do more impressions and now i'm 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 at the moment i'm going through a a, a different phase of my comedic career where i do i do kind of i don't i'm not i'm not so much an impressionist i think as more of a um a satirist maybe is that the way, best way to put it like sometimes doing an exact impression isn't as exciting as doing a, a bonkers impression like i'm trying to think of yeah the the joe duffy one it wouldn't be a great impression but the spirit and energy energy and the point i'm making is that joe duffy gets sexually excited by other people's misery right so that was the whole point of joe duffy and that was and i remember when i came back from my travels and i'd listened to joe duffy on the radio and when somebody would ring up with problems you'd, you'd hear his voice get all soft you know as if he was lying in bed next to them and they were laying on his chest yeah now keep on talking oh terrible joe and you know and all this and it was awful yeah you know so there, w- there was a sexual component to in my head to how Joffy, jo- Joffy, how how <laughs> do Joffy, how Joe Duffy interacts with the w- with people who have been baited down by life, you know, yeah, and it is, I, I, and the thing that's slightly annoying about, I mean, it's his his show is entertainment, but he would look at look at it as, as some kind of social thing that he's social. Uh, what's the word? Um, some sort of social function that he's providing, social social service that he's providing mm-hmm. to the public. Mm-hmm. But it's it's look, it's yeah, Mary. Now are you there? Are you? Yeah, Joe. I can hardly walk. Ah, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. It's all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So somebody called it the pornography of sad stories. That's the one. The yeah, video yeah. on your yeah, Instagram yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. You only yeah. put it up there a couple of days yeah. ago. But and that is what's nice about the Instagram as well. Like uh, the majority Archives. of the audience are on Instagram are like 18 to 35. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those young dudes would not have seen the Savage Eye and would not be familiar with the, the sketches. Mm-hmm. So it does feel nice to reconnect to a young audience to establish my comedy mm-hmm. credentials. At the beginning, your content yeah. was mm. archives as mm. such mm. and mm. sketches from the past, but to some people, mm. brand new content. Yeah. That's and right. To timeless some content. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to just remind people. I love your content. Yeah, um, yeah. And before we finish up... I love um, my content too. Thank you. I love it. No, I really do. Yeah. Um, but before we finish up, I'd just like to uh, get the guitar. Oh, yeah? And if you could do a number... I'm not going to tell you what to play. You cool. play whatever you like. But y- y- how you do it is... I want to take you back to your busking days okay. and in some sort of comedic oh, sense. Jesus. Go on. Go on then. I don't know if it's tuned. Yeah, well, we'll soon fucking find out. Okay. So this is a song that I don't sing anymore. Well, I'm trying not to sing, but it's about the changing social status of the Catholic Church. And it's an old classic. And it's called uh, Father Finnegan. Did you hear about Father Finnegan? The priest from Ochnacloy Caught in the back of the vestry On top of an altar boy all the people around him said it was a terrible sin, but the head of the church didn't agree and relocated him. Father Finnegan, Father Finnegan, you've sinned again. They sent him to County Galway in Wexford by the sea, but everywhere he went, he had a miner on his knee. 
They sent him to Antarctica, there were no children around. He tried to make love to a penguin, but his willy got stuck to the ground. Father Finnegan, Father Finnegan, you've sinned again. There you go, man. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap this up. So, David, thank you so much for yeah, coming Ross, on. Uh, really appreciate I'm, that. I'm impressed by you. You're a young lad, 23. Um, I think you're fucking great. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, continued success and uh, you'll get to where you're going. Well, you're thank already you. there, but continue to, you know what I'm saying. Really what I want to achieve from this, I've already achieved. It's a good, genuine conversation mm. with somebody I admire mm. and I've looked at since the yeah. Savage Eye days. Yeah. And I just want people that mightn't have got to see the Savage Eye in 2009 or, yeah. you know, are fairly new to you on Instagram and sure. they just believe you've just popped out of nowhere. You haven't. You're yeah. in this game longer than most of us are alive. And <laughs> that's, that's, am I right? Yeah. And I'd like to say... Longer than most of you bastards are alive. <laughs> I've been around. Not my first rodeo, guys. Um, you, little, you little scallywags thinking you're all... Uh, no, no you're absolutely right. But what yeah, I yeah. want to do is um, encourage people. Yeah. Um, I'm not here plugging yeah, you don't David wanna, you, just because yeah. he's on front of me. But yeah, you buy tickets for the show on the Olympia. And go and just or get don't. a taste. Yeah. No, no, Whatever. do, do. And get a taste don't of what it's like there, mate. to get an, an old school, yeah, yeah. I'm going to call a veteran yeah. of the game, yeah. comedian in, in Ireland. Um, don't thank you for coming on. Thanks, Really, Ross. really nice Cheers. to meet you. Absolute pleasure. 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 And pleasure. Um, that's it. Brilliant. That's it. We did it. Coffee. And a little bit of conversation.